Welcome to Head to Toe, stories from the history and future of healthcare. Welcome to the third annual Best Stories podcast. I'm your host, Marie McMillan. I'm a nurse, a writer, and a podcast host. But this episode isn't about me. It's about you and your healthcare stories from 2018. This year, I had 11 participants from across all range of healthcare specialties, from pediatric rheumatology to women's health to NCLEX coaching to travel nursing to dentistry. I talked to people from all over, from Austin to New York to Trinidad and more. These stories are their best stories of the year, and I hope you enjoy them. Because I talked to so many people again this year, I split the episode in two. You are currently listening to Best Stories, Changing the Status Quo. You'll hear in this episode, Leon Chen, Elise Salamoni, Mary Chiesa, Patrice Little, and Andrew Craig. Be sure to also check out Best Stories, Pride and Joy. My name is Leon Chen. Uh, I am a clinical assistant professor of nursing for University of New York. Also, I am a nurse practitioner for an intensive care unit in New York City, and uh, I oversee the point-of-care ultrasound training in the intensive care unit. And this is my best story of 2018. In 2018, we launched a program where we train nurse practitioners and also physician assistants in the intensive care unit on the usage of point-of-care ultrasound to detect pericardial tamponade. In my hospital, after hours, um, we can readily get a ultrasound tech to perform bedside echo on patients. Also, sometimes the on-call cardiologist could be a little bit farther away than what's required to detect these conditions. Our intensive care unit have trained uh, nurse practitioners and physician assistants in using point-of-care ultrasound to detect a whole host of uh, diseases. So we could actually expedite uh, diagnosis and get thoracic surgery on board and also get interventional radiologists to actually take these patients either to the IR suite or the operating room and reverse the condition in a fairly short period of time. Um, I, I grew up playing a lot of video games. So, you know, the, the images on the ultrasound screen is backwards, upside down, or disoriented. The heart is not what you expect it to look like. Um, you know, it's not what you see in, in the textbook, you know, where you see it on an ultrasound screen. And then there's real-time movement. So I was always really fascinated by that. So years later, when I became a nurse practitioner in the intensive care unit, I kind of wanted to do more of that. So, and there were a couple of cases where I, I learned about it, you know, I listened to podcasts and watch YouTube videos on how to do certain images. And I was really kind of playing around with the ultrasound probe, you know, and then on one patient, I accidentally detected a pathological condition and then we acted on it and um, the patient did better. So that really pushed me towards uh, becoming, you know, a real true believer on it point-of-care ultrasound. Yeah, introducing point-of-care um, to your crew and to your hospital, seeing differences at the bedside, seeing people get better faster, and just knowing that that's like, hey, I had a big part of that. How did that make you feel as a nurse, as a nurse practitioner, as somebody in healthcare? I was very, very proud because, um, you know, as you said, you know, the, the uh, for lack of a better term, a mid-level provider, they, there are a lot of things that they just don't expect a nurse practitioner or physician assistant to know how to do. So you really have to show them that, look, we know what we're doing to actually um, change anything or make other people accept your findings. Starting this year, you know, after working with cardiology about the Tempanile Task Force for a while, now uh, people are less nervous when they call different services based on uh, our nurse practitioner finding or our physician assistant uh, point-of-care ultrasound finding than they were before or when I did it, when I first started doing it. 
nurse practitioner or physician assistants, if they're calling you about an ultrasound finding that they did, um, it's likely to be accurate instead of, you know, a year ago, um, where really, why are you calling me? Did you get somebody else to do this? Did you get this image? You know, you, we, we don't get as much, you know, as many questions we, as we did before. And I think I'm very proud of that. We, we came a fairly long way. Yeah. Way to change the status quo. Congrats. That's a, that's a big thing. Thank you. Hi, my name is Amelia Roberts. I am a registered nurse. I'm a clinical program coordinator. Pediatric rheumatology is my specialty. And um, thank you so much for having me share my story for 2018. This year, I read a book called Story Brand, and some people might say, well, what does that have to do with healthcare? But the process that stood out to me in the book was how to say things to get people to listen. And it really made sense to what I have been doing as a nurse and helping my families advocate for themselves. So with helping families through the healthcare system, with helping them get resources for their kids who have uh, rheumatologic concerns, and we ha- work with families who have rare diseases, and getting them resources can be challenged, and it can be a struggle with getting them into school and getting them what they need. Helping the families learn how to tell their story about what their child needs to the school administration or tell a story about what their child needs to insurance companies, um, that has been a game changer for me. So um, while the story brand is not related to healthcare at all, um, it really has helped me um, make sense and crystallize something I've been trying to do for a while for me as a um, care coordinator, preparing my family to advocate for themselves by teaching them how to use the power of story to get resources for their child. So this year we brought on another nurse. Well, our onboarding, our orientation process could be a little bit more formalized, but our role was relatively new and we don't have any formal orientation. But in any case, in teaching her how to advocate for other people, that, again, the framework of building a story brand was super helpful because key to getting people to listen to help you is telling them what's in it for them. And while we want to think in healthcare, everyone wants to help everybody, when you're on the phone with insurance companies, it's really helpful to open up the conversation in a compelling way. So in orienting her, I've told her when you're on the phone and trying to advocate for families, start with, hello, I'm trying to help a child get their medicine. Can you help me? And bringing in the person on the phone into your story or into a story by asking them to help you help a child, she's had a different result, um, a more positive result than I have when I didn't know how to tell stories properly when I was just on the phone with insurance companies, just maybe being a little bit more demanding, you know, off the break. Um, But she's, because she's using the power of a story, inviting them into the story of um, them being a hero and helping a child, I've just been able to watch her flourish and develop in a way that I wish someone told me to do, you know, when I first started in this role. It's awesome. It's awesome. And so as I'm, you know, doing my job or I'm doing, you know, different things, I hear her in the background, hi, I'm trying to help a child get their medicine. Can you help me? I'm like, yes. (laughs) It's It's been great. Yeah. So my name's Elise Salamone, and I'm an Air Force retired veteran and a women's health nurse practitioner. And this is my best story for the year. To give you some context, I retired from the Air Force in 2014 
and took a job in a military hospital. After three years, I resigned due to my son being ill with uh, epilepsy and me needing to take care of him. I then took another job that was a wound care uh, nurse practitioner job, and um, I was laid off after six months of working for that company. In that four months of being laid off before I found my next job, I spent a great deal of time on LinkedIn, networking, building relationships with the Lehman community, uh, local Lehman community, and getting involved with some other veterans groups. My best story for 2018 is that during this time I was looking for work, I had a really hard time finding a job because of my specialty of women's health. So after four months, I decided to start applying for just regular nursing jobs because, you know, like all of us, we have mortgages and bills to pay. So I applied for this job with the Puyallup Tribal Health Authority, um, and it was for a nurse educator position. And the interview went well. It was a great facility, great mission, taking care of the Native American community. But I kept looking for a job just because I really wanted to practice as a nurse practitioner because that's my passion. Well, two weeks before I started, the HR person called me and said, hey, our practice manager resigned and you have all the credentials for and leadership experience. Will you be interested in taking over this position as an interim? And I said, sure. Um, for several reasons. One, I knew it would be challenging, and two, it was a little bit more salary than just the nurse educator position. What ended up happening in the next 90 days of taking this position is I started a training program for the nurses and the medical assistants that became very successful and basically explained to everyone that my whole focus was to make sure that everyone was practicing at the full level of their capacity because it's a small team and we have a pretty acute level of patient care. And in that time, the nurses and the MAs have become more confident in their skills. They're doing IVs now, they're drawing blood, they're doing other things that they should have been doing or could have been doing, but just didn't feel confident because they didn't have the proper training. So now after 90 days, I was credentialed to see patients and I also have accepted a permanent position as a medical practice manager for the clinic and started seeing patients just a few weeks ago. And this has been a great success story because the Native American women didn't really have a female provider to come to do their women's health at the clinic, and now they do. And my schedule is actually getting booked up pretty quick. So uh, this is good for the community and good for me um, as I continue to practice in my passion. And that is my success story for 2018. Hi, this is Mary Chiesa, and I'm a certified first assist. I created Sapicor with a little product called Aegis, and this is my best story. So for, gosh, 15 years, I was an interior designer and then went into the operating room, which I know is completely different than uh, interior design. And I did that for 10 years. And one day we were doing a C-section, and the mom was strapped to the table. She was actually there the day before when we left and she was laboring. And then we came in the next day and report and saw her name still on there. And within an hour of being back at work the next day, we were taking her back for an emergency uh, C-section. We ended up letting dad come in and mom was um, on this small little 
operating room balance beam table. Her right arm was restrained down because her IV was also in that. And then her blood pressure cuff was on the left arm. And dad was sitting to the left of her. And of course, anesthesia's at the head and we're on the opposite side of the drape. And everything was going great. We got baby out. Baby looked great. Baby went up. Skin. Um, they wrapped baby up in a blanket and then put baby on mom in the OR. And everything seemed fine. It was that amazing moment that every mom and dad should have with the birth of their child. And then it all went wrong. All of a sudden, you heard the sound of a baby's head hit the concrete floor. And it's a sound that you can never get out of your mind. When that happened, all of a sudden, it went from being, I love you, you're the best, and all of this great moments to, how can you drop the baby? Why didn't you catch the baby? You know, and it was just this, you know, excitement. And everybody was rushing into the room. It just got really crazy after that. But then afterwards, we, we went into the briefing afterwards, and everybody was blaming everybody. Like, and the thing is, is I was thinking, how, how could we let this happen? We failed this mom. This mom is exhausted. She's medicated, her arms restrained, and then the power of a blood pressure cuff going off. This is so unfair to this mom. We failed her. And watching the mom slowly digress in the PACU as dad and uh, baby got sent to another hospital via ambulance, it was so traumatic. And different people from postpartum were all coming down and asking us what happened. And when we told them, you know, the mom dropped the baby on the OR table. I was shocked when people would say, oh, that's all? That happens all the time in postpartum. I had no idea that this was happening and that it was happening so frequently. And so that night and for the rest of the next couple of weeks, I could not get this off of my head. And I was sitting with my mom one day um, by the pool and my mom said, what's going on? She's like, you just, you look like you're completely out of it today. And I told her the story of what happened. And my mom, I told my mom, I said, I'm going to create something so that this never happens again. And my mom looked at me and she said, be the thermostat. Don't be the thermometer. Make that change. You know, a few months after that, that I started creating different prototypes. And I mean, from what it was then to what it ended up eventually becoming, uh, was completely different because I wanted something that was on the clinical side, something that benefited the nurses and the doctors just as much as it benefited both patients, mom and dad. And, you know, I hope that, you know, one day when they come back to their second baby, that it is a completely different experience. Awesome. And so this product, can you describe it a little bit more? What What is it exactly? Yeah, so... The funny thing is, is that I was dropping off my daughter at school when it kind of came to me because every mom is wearing yoga pants. Even if they weren't going to the gym that day, they all had on their yoga attire. And it's kind of like our go-to for every mom, I think. So I wanted to kind of bring yoga wear into L&D because we say that there is not a sport that requires more endurance than childbirth. What we did was we used yoga wear. So what this is, is it actually wraps around mom and closes with a zipper on the left-hand side to make it easy. Moms have said, if you can put on a bra, you can put this on. 
this wraps around as a tube top style would be the best description of it for when you're laying and sitting in a position. Like I said, it kind of all goes back to fixing the faucet instead of mopping up all the water and giving the baby the best benefits in the beginning, as well as the skin to skin physiological benefits and having giving mom something that's comfortable that she can actually be hands free. Because what this does is it allows her to get in and out of bed and it allows mom to have baby on her for longer periods of time. And so what we found was giving mom her hands back allows mom to be skin to skin hands free but also in the comfort of yoga wear. It sounds awesome. And and this is like, this is your brainchild. This is what you came up with and now it's a company. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I really have to give the credit to the woman that, you know, dropped her baby on the OR table that day because honestly, I was, I was not looking to change careers or anything like that. You know, once that happened, I just couldn't get it off my mind. And it was one of those things that I just had to... I had to create something, you know, so that every mom has the tools, you know, to be to be with their baby after birth. So it's amazing how it's just taking off. Uh, We're really excited to see what transitions from this. Hi, I'm Dr. Patrice Little, a family nurse practitioner, editor in chief for MP Student Magazine, author of Out of Crazy Born Genius and founder of Nurses as writer's webinar. And this is my best story from 2018. As I was completing my doctoral program at Mercer, I noticed that there was a gap as far as the most commonly asked questions as far as transitioning into practice as a nurse practitioner. And I realized that it was important to launch something to address that problem. So my focus was launching the first life magazine for nurse practitioner students, which is MP Student Magazine, because I kept finding graduates saying, if I only knew then what I know now, and I said, well, why not they get their their questions answered from those who've already taken the road? And this platform is unified because it focuses on the student's experience as well as those currently in practice and the leaders um, of today and how they could give back to those future practitioners. And with MP Student Magazine, I have been able to introduce entrepreneur opportunities, unique entrepreneur opportunities, I should say, to MP students who may have not thought of anything outside of the box, outside of just doing, opening up a practice. I've been able to promote innovation as well as inspire the next generation of healthcare leaders. And the best thing about MP Student Magazine is that we're the first nursing literary platform to have video editorials. So it's kind of set up like a talk show, but really it's just an interactive segment where we answer questions. It has a Q&A. It's on a Facebook offered two times a month. And the most recent one that we have were the five tips for a mentally healthy holiday. We had really great feedback. And this is why I feel like this is the best story is because I was able to take something that I realized was a gap in in practice and promote a platform, create a platform for viewers, listeners, not just NPs, but I'm realizing people who are outside of the nursing practice 
just so they'd be able to be better equipped to care for themselves as well as care for others. So providing that help and platform to students, to NP students, in, in the form of your magazine, the success that you felt from that, how does that make you feel, and how does it really fuel your passion to keep doing it? I feel great today, but when everything started, I had the natural fears like anyone else is, would it be accepted? Would it be like, you know, well, who's your publisher? Now, who's this and who's that? And I really want people to understand that sometimes there's not the best moment to launch a magazine or to launch something that's innovative. Sometimes you just have to launch it and put it out there because it addresses a problem and trust that eventually someone will pick it up. So sometimes it's best to just go out there, get it started, do the best that you can do, and eventually you'll be able to get those partnerships. You'll be able to get those investors. But it's so important that you do not get into things like this just per se for the monetary component, but the passion more so comes from you solving a problem and you're being able to be a resource and you're creating something that you wish you would have had for yourself. As soon as you say yes, everything you start that um, can take action, the momentum continues, and then you have other people showing interest, and then they tell other people, and then those other people tell other people, but you have to take action. So there's definitely no pride here. It's more so like, whoa, I'm grateful because I realized that if I didn't have a personality that was not inviting people would not be so willing to help me achieve this goal. So it's humbling. It's like, whoa, this many people actually believe in me. I am doing this because I wish something had existed like this for me. I feel like it would have saved me some of the heartache that I have. And I understand they, most people say that life experiences is just, it gives you as far as the best lesson but sometimes it's just good to be able to receive just wisdom from, from, from someone else and not have to go through that, that heartache. And that's what I want. I want to give people a chance that I did not have so they can transition smoothly, whether it be working full-time at a clinic as an FMP or whether they're the ones who are creating some type of innovative device to make screening for diabetes better, whatever it is. I am, I'm just, I, what drives me is the fact that I am able to play a role in planting a seed. And whoever waters it, that's up to them. <laughs> but I'm happy I get to plant a seed. <laughs> and thank you for letting me share my story. So my name is Andrew Craig. I am a registered nurse. Um, I consider myself a uh, nursing entrepreneur. I own a social media and content uh, creation company called Traveler Talk, which is a, a supportive and an inspirational platform where uh, travel nurses as well as really any healthcare travelers can come and learn about the lifestyle and get the support that they need. So this is my best story of 2018. I was thinking about how uh, I've had the privilege of 
you know, working all over the country, my wife and I were both travel nurses. We've worked with many different types of people. Uh, we've worked in Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, uh, Oregon. And it just so happens that my best story is an experience that I had as a travel nurse. And I had to do a lot of thinking about this because I wanted to represent uh, my experience well and the profession well. And the story goes like this. I worked with a physician that had been at this facility for a very long time. This person was very set in their ways. They've been at the facility for 30 years. Smaller hospital, I'm used to bigger university hospitals with resident team, but this is the attending. And that's how you deal with uh, providers in a smaller hospital. You're always dealing with the, the attending. And this, this, physician, or this physician comes from a different uh, mindset of nurses are subordinates. They're not team members. They're not part of the team. They're underneath the physician to take the orders. And you take those orders without questioning them. I'm come from a different generation of nurses where I believe we feel empowered to stand up ultimately for our patients, because that's what we're here for. We're here to be the uh, guardian of our patients. I uh, equate nursing to be kind of like um, the castle around the king, you know, the king being the, the patient, and we're the protectors. And so when I work with my patients, I keep that in mind, and I'm the filter. I'm, I bring, I allow things into the patient's life, and ultimately it's about safety. It's about protecting their health. And I had a physician that uh, came from a different cloth. They came from, I'm, I'm just the nurse. And, you know, that is uh, <laughs> challenging nonetheless. Yeah, to say the least, we had a few run ins um, over the course of the several months. But this was the big one. The physician was not ordering blood when the patient needed. The patient was symptomatic. There was labs that justified it. But because the physician uh, did not like to be told what to do. And it wasn't about me telling them what to do. It was about me advocating for the patient. I subsequently found out that the, the physician was waiting for me to leave the shift and then they would order the blood. And I thought, how is this humanly possible? How can a physician out of spite prevent care that the, the patient needed desperately? The patient was hypoxic. They were requiring supplemental oxygen. Their hemoglobin was below seven. They had signs of hypoxia, pale skin, tachycardia. I mean, classic signs of needing blood. It was so obvious the patient needed blood that I was pretty frustrated, to say the least, about the situation. So I talked to the charge. And so here's the other issue is travel nurses are hired to do the job. They're not there to change the facility and their issues and address them. And I have seen and heard from travelers that have been fired for standing up for issues at a facility. So I'm in, I'm in this, this difficult situation here. What do I do? Do I risk my job? Because that's what it would do. I would risk my job standing up to the physician because they've been there forever. But nonetheless, I, I couldn't stand for it. Just couldn't stand for it. And so I went to the charge and went to the housing supervisor 
subsequently found out ultimately that's why she was holding the blood was because of me. And because of this perception of just the nurse, you're, you're here to take my orders and not question me. And so I, I had a choice. I, I could either just sit on this or I could say something. And I opted to take steps to report this physician. And that was a scary time because I risked my job doing that. The physician found out. There's a, there's a silver lining to this, I promise. It's actually a great ending. The physician found out about what I had done, which is talk to my company, talk to the hospital, did a large report. And amazingly, amazingly, not only did this physician come to me, but they shared, we had a very, very meaningful conversation where we truly connected because she realized that she was wrong. She realized that she had brought her other past baggage, basically, of poor personal experiences and professional issues into this situation that ultimately affected the patient and in a negative way. And we had a really long talk. She came to me the following day when she was like, listen, I've, this was wrong. And, and I, you know, partly, you know, she was probably going to be under the gun. I mean, she was probably going to be in trouble. So she was protecting herself to some degree. But how I knew it was genuine is the very open conversation that we had, not as, a, as, as peers, but as just people where we talked about our personal lives. And I was like, wow, how amazing that this situation brought out this very personal side of this person, of this doctor, this, this physician that has this high and mighty attitude when you're around them. But when she came to me and apologized in an extremely humble way, I was, I was floored at how, how this situation had changed. And I thought about it. And so I, I ultimately stopped everything. I, I reported to the right people, the supervisor, my boss is like, hey, we had a great conversation. This was a misunderstanding. We've, we've decided to move forward. And ultimately, you know what came from that? It was so amazing. Our relationship changed. It was like, I wasn't, up, I wasn't below her anymore. I was with her. She listened to me. It, it, was, it was unbelievable how, how much it changed since we connected in a personal way. So there's a lot of lessons from this story. You know, the idea that doctors are somehow superior to nurses that still exists to this day, and we're still treated as, as subordinates. But there's still hope for the doctor-nurse relationship. And I really think it's changing. I mean, I've been to other places around the country where it's very different. The culture is extremely different. Where the nurse leads rounds. Where the nurse is nurse-led report. Because it's realized that we are at the bedside 90% of the time, 99% of the time. We are the eyes and ears. And while we don't have the training and the and the medical knowledge that they do, we have the intuition to look at someone basically not even knowing a single thing about them and realize, you know, something's wrong here and we need to do something about this right now or they're going to die. And so that is my story from 2018. <laughs> Thank you.
And there you have it. Thanks to all the guests for participating in Best Stories 2018. I'm Marie McMillan. This is Head to Toe. Happy New Year, everyone. Stay tuned for more Head to Toe in 2019. Bye.